not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of your favourite pop culture movies and TV shows. My name is Sam and, as always, is my out-of-time co-host of the podcast, Chris. Sorry, mate, I'd love to record the podcast, but I'm a bit of out of time. Oh, <laughs> I'm out of time, so I've got to go. You've just got UK to go. doing this one by yourself, yeah? You've just got to go yeah, forward into the past and then you're good to go, you mate. Good? All right, see you later, yeah, mate. I've got to go. Do- maybe, maybe me from the future will come back and do it. <laughs> Someone would say Back to the Future. Boo! Okay, guys, uh, I'm back. I'm back. It's uh, it's Chris from the Future here. Um, I've just gone and watched all of season two of Umbrella Academy, and I'm ready to talk about it. Do you reckon people are going to realise there was a jump cut there? Uh, the, was there a jump? <laughs> I thought that was seamless. Just there, like I just saw like previous me walking out, and then like I came in through a big blue glowy portal in the sky and now i'm here oh, man. also i killed baby hitler with a spoon people like don't know what we're missing because we don't have video <laughs> content yet if we no. had video content they would have seen the blue portal and everything all happening i'm surprised they couldn't hear it, it was fucking well lad the dogs are barking at everything <laughs> i was gonna say they can't hear that fucking dog can't they <laughs> i apologize listeners there is a, not my dog this time there is a, another navally dog that's just going absolutely ham outside <laughs> Potentially has Mate. seen a blue portal. This week, we're talking all about the Umbrella Academy Season 2, which we were going to talk about last week, but we had that much news to catch up on. We ended up putting it back to this week. Uh, so There was so much. There's uh, still a bit of news to talk about here, but there's not too much. Yeah. So you can I, fly through it pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, there's, there's, there's bits and bobs. There's uh, things happening right now. And uh, there's a couple of trailers out as well. So, I mean, to kind of get us started, I've got a couple of stories here, Chris, for you. Go on, mate. Shoot from the hip. The first one I've got is Netflix anime is gonna. That is a really strange sentence. Spl- Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell is getting a Netflix anime series. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, with John okay. Wick writers who will write and executive produce the show. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. So we've got some talent behind it, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Sam Fisher kicking ass. Yeah. It's a, it. It's weird that. This hasn't had an adaptation before, you know, with like all the Hitman movies and all the like the straight to DVD um, movie properties in the past. Mm. Uh, comic book, they're uh, not comic books, but the video game movies. There we go, I found my words in the end. Video mo- uh, video game movies, like it's weird that this hasn't had one, but I, I don't think any Rainbow Six property has, have they? Yeah, well, I mean, the Tom Clancy stuff is actually books anyway, isn't it? I believe. Yeah, a lot of stuff is, but a lot of the video game stuff now is just its own creation. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think the Tom Clancy stuff's been kept pretty tight. They haven't made any adaptations of it, so it's weird that it's getting an animated version. So reportedly, or- it's already meant to have been given a two-season, 16-episode order as well. Oh, damn. So- Netflix are confident. That's courtesy of IGN.com. Uh, I'll fire through the stories that I've got, and then we'll head over to yours, mate. Um, yes, son. My next one is the Lord of the Rings Amazon series uh, is going to feature Elrond, Gladriel, and Sauron, who are characters from the Lord of the Rings films. They are indeed characters from the Lord of the Rings films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, are they still doing sort of like a prequel before Lord of the Rings, and then they're going to 
get up to the Fellowship of the Ring. Is that what I heard ages ago, or am I lying out my back teeth? No, I don't think it'll be a sequel, because at this point... Um, Not Sauron's a sequel, pretty, a prequel. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I think it's only going to sit ahead of Lord of the Rings, because I don't think it's going to sit afterwards. It wouldn't make yeah. sense. But I don't know whether it's going to go as far back as stuff that we've had in, like, The Hobbit and stuff, but... Well, I mean, it's got Elrond, Gladriel, and Sauron. It's going to have something. It might. It would be cool if it takes place just before the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. That they they cool. could always with those characters as well because they are like pretty much immortal elves and like they don't age after like the age of twenty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, or very slowly, they could do almost like an anthology bit. So, like, you find out about like the conflicts between. Um, all the different factions, so like Rohan and um, Gondor and the Elven nations and stuff like that. Yeah, there's plenty so, of video game stories and characters and stuff that you could take take from and put into this because Lord of the Rings tend to be fleshed out more in video games, didn't it, rather than anything yeah. else. And uh, a, a lot of the lore is there. Like it was briefly mentioned in passing and stuff like that. Like certain things have got things going on with like the Similarian and stuff like that. Like there's plenty of stuff to draw on. Like he wrote plenty of side stories and short stories. Is the you could simi- take one of them and flesh it out. Is the Similarian that really long book that people rave about a little bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get credit just for trying. I want to tackle it at some point, but. I don't read enough to dive into that right now. So <laughs> I'd rather listen to an audiobook version of it. Some would say it's easier to tackle the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings films. Oh, which I probably will do soon now that I've got my own gaff. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> take a day, mate. Well, you'll need a day. You can't. There's no, no choice <sighs> about it. Um, yeah, you need multiple days. Next story was Mulan is going to debut on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I believe this is going to be in August it's going to debut on Disney+. Plus. See, I think I think the headline that I saw the other day is that it's also going to release in selected cinemas. Yeah, so I think they're going to still push a movie release because cinemas are open in the UK now as normal, aren't they? They're just showing older films. Yeah, because there's no new releases. So the ones just all socially distant. Yeah, so the ones near us have been showing like Empire Strikes Back and the Lord of the Rings films and... All sorts of stuff. And then the stuff that was released just before uh, coronavirus happened. So, like, re- re-showing some of that stuff yeah. as well. Stuff um, that a lot of people didn't get a chance to see. Yeah. So the details of this is basically that it'll stream on Disney+, Plus, but there's going to be an extra video-on-demand fee. So you're going to pay a little bit extra to be mm. able to watch it, which is interesting because I think this is something that we spoke about on an episode long time ago when yeah, we were talking yeah, yeah. about cinemas changing forever, that would we do this if it was like if you could pay an extra little bit and then watch a film there and then on that streaming service? Yeah. I know we spoke, we spoke about it with Amazon because Amazon did start doing stuff like this with like The Invisible Man and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and like that has clearly worked but i kind of want to see mulan in the cinema like the trailers make it look massive and epic and like the what they try to do for the industry and stuff like that and what they try to do for this new version of the story i feel like it would be a disservice not to see it on the cinema now yeah like i think it had the biggest um biggest female crew in a film ever like in like a massive production like this like, most of the cast and crew were all female and everything like that. Well, not most of the cast, because there's a lot of 
male characters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Like it's it, it's insane. Like uh, there is already on Disney Plus. There's some behind the scenes stuff of it. Um, I think it was like a three or five minute like mini documentary on like they they've got a series that's like all behind the scenes stuff of upcoming projects and stuff like that, and it had a section of it. And it just looks insane, and what they're trying to do is amazing. So I don't know. I might try and see this in the cinema. This like might be my first cinema trip back. Yeah, it just depends on whether it's because you say it's selected cinemas. Hopefully, yeah. it'll be somewhere where we can go and watch it. But yeah, we are I, pretty I lucky. Like our local cinemas tend to do all these like select showings and stuff like that, especially Cineworld. Yeah. Well, remember when we ended up in that pre screening of bloody logan and we watched logan yeah. like 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 what three days it before like, it came yeah, out three days early and we only found out about that last minute we were just there like oh what's on in the cinema or did we go to book the tickets and we saw that we could see it the same day so we we're like shit let's get to the cinema fucking no <laughs> i i think I, if i would, if i remember rightly i think it was a case that we didn't actually know when it was coming out and we just ended up just just booking it, and then when we actually got there and watched it, we realised there was no one there, and we were wondering why the cinema screen was so empty, and then it it turns out that it was empty because it hadn't actually been released yet, so nobody was looking (laughs) at Buddy. Yeah, it was only half full, wasn't it? And it was just like a bunch of like big burly like x-men fans all coming in in like wolverine t-shirts yeah <laughs> and then like it was just a bunch of grown men crying in the cinema together at the end yeah people <laughs> sticking close to the uh the grapevine on that one um, uh yeah so i don't know I, I i think i'll do it because it's been a while since we've seen anything and if we if, if for whatever reason we don't get it in cinemas then it's definitely going to be something that i'll pay extra on disney plus to watch oh yeah definitely yeah like i was really excited for this like this is one of the few live action disney films i'm excited for mm-hmm. so uh, i like you said i'll definitely pay to watch it if i can't see it in cinema yeah defo um my next one was a little bit of a little bit of a trailer but um i've heard that we're definitely not getting a sequel to solo i think that's been confirmed now that that's not going to be happening <laughs> okay i yes. think that was i think everybody kind of assumed that was going to happen <laughs> but <laughs> well you never know you could hold out hope and then there's a couple of rumors of young luke and leia being in the kenobi series Oh, it's an interesting Ooh. little any casting rumors at the moment no no just just literally i've just i've just Who seen would... it who would you cast as them, Sam? Uh, you'd obviously cast Sebastian Stan as Luke. Because <laughs> like, no <laughs> of all the asked. fan-made, yeah, the yeah. face replacement stuff. No questions asked at all. He's just made made for that role. Uh, I don't know who would cast, cast as a young Leia, though. Would you get a daughter? Would you get Billy Lord to do it? Uh, I don't, I don't think they'd look the, that similar, though. They don't, know. I think there's probably someone out there who would look a bit of a spitting image. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think you necessarily need to nail the look as much because it, it'll probably be like adolescent, wouldn't it? So you'll be changing a lot. Like I think you've got to find someone that will nail that characterization more. Well, yeah, hang on. If it's going to be Sebastian Stan, that would be Luke like right now. Well, I say right now, that would be um, sequel. No, original trilogy Luke, yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you're probably just going to get some kid actors to play him. Well, yeah, so it probably. probably doesn't really matter that much. Some good teenagers. And then one of the last things that I just wanted to really qu- quickly talk about before we move on to other news and trailers is we've got the new Rocksteady game, 
which is going to be the Suicide Squad game, which we're going to get a first look at on August 22nd. Have so you that's, seen that's what this? I was trying to remember. I was like, I'm sure there was something big that I saw on Twitter. And that was it, and I couldn't think. <laughs> Have you seen this? I've seen the poster. So isn't it... I, I'm trying to think what's the proper version and what's the Boss Logic re-edits, because I'm sure... The proper version that I saw was, was it Superman with a target on his head yeah. that's a Super Size Squad? Yeah, yeah. Super Size Super Size Squad. <laughs> Too many trips to McDonald's over here. Super Size Squad. Super Size Me, Super Size You, become Super Size Squad. Um, yeah, I think it's going to preview on the DC fandom, I believe. Yeah. Which will only no, take- I'm excited for that, you know. Yeah, I'm excited for No that. doubt it'll preview on DC Fandom and then it'll just be on YouTube. So, uh, Well, I think that's... Isn't that airing on YouTube? Uh, the Fandom. I have no idea how the Fandom works, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's like like the biggest list of comic book creators are going to be on different panels and everything like that. Zack Snyder's got one for Justice League and everything like that. It's going to be massive. Yeah, so August 22nd. Um, it is, yeah, so it is Superman, and it's like you can see like the Superman curl at the front, and then it's got the, the Suicide Squad. It looks like a crosshair, where it's like a cross with a circle. Um, yeah. But it's kind of, you can't really see Superman's face. I have a feeling, You, Chris, you see the silhouette, so I, like, I think it's pretty obvious that it's yeah, Superman. Yeah, I have a feeling. I'm going to share this photo with you again uh, that I screenshotted. And I'm going to say something while you look at it and see whether you think um, I've got a hit or I'm talking shit. So let's <laughs> let's have a little look. So when you look at that photo of him, if you can make, if you can look at it a little bit bigger, if you can. Yeah, I'm looking at it on the internet. I was already getting it. Up. I have a feeling that's not Superman and that's Bizarro because if you look, there's like a purplish tint to it. And I kind of and if you look really closely at the face, it it does it looks like it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like a smooth. It doesn't look smooth skinned or anything. See, because there's a bit of smoke coming from the eye, so I was just assuming that he's just like laser vision someone. Mm. So, because the entire thing has a sort of a purple glow to it. Well, this is what I mean. Like, what if it wasn't? What if it's like? What if it's? not superman what if the story um, is that they think it's superman it turns has out bizarro ever been superman. on the suicide squad no it might not be he might be the antagonist maybe so see because I, I i'm not sure if they've only released that image because i've also seen a batman version of it but i think that might have been a boss logic yeah edit. boss logic did it with batman wonder woman the flash cyborg he did it with oh he's Justice done all League. of them yeah but i have a feeling that that's a lot. That's not See, Superman. Bizarro doesn't normally have purple skin though, or anything like that. He's grey. Yeah, but like when you look at the blue on his suit, it's usually like a purple hue to it. Yeah, like I, d- it, I do get where you're coming from. That would be pretty cool. It looks to me like it's got that kind of a vibe because it's not like a dark red. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I don't know. It, it's just bizarre. Uh, like honestly it would be really cool if it was if it was just sort of like a, a fake out and then like it's Bizarro and not Superman yeah I don't know but, and then, but when you look really close, he normally looks a bit more like messed up in the face though 
Yeah, but when you look really closely, you can see, like, probably a bit like the DC Injustice one. You know, the skin you can get for a Superman to make in Bizarro. Yeah. Probably a little bit more like that. But that yeah. that's where I'm that's where I'm putting my bets anyway. <laughs> that, that's your hot take. My my question is, what do you think gameplay is going to be like? Is it going to be like the Arkham games, and you could probably pick and choose what character you want anytime you can freely swap between them, or do you think it's going to be sort of more on the rails, as they say with video games? So like you've got missions to work through, and each mission has a different hero. Maybe what if it's multiplayer? That would be sick. Like, Arkham-style game, but multiplayer would be sick. Yeah, because a so, lot of the Arkham games have always been a case that you're working on your own. And, you know, they've had the Arkham trilogy with Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight. So it would kind of make sense for them to step out into something a little bit different, especially with the Suicide Squad one. Well, that's the thing. Suicide Squad does lend itself to be a team-based game, doesn't it? Mm. Um it might be almost like, um, you know, the upcoming Marvel Avengers game. Yeah. So you and all your mates can take part in a different thing. And then maybe if you want to play single player, you can do. And there may be certain missions where you can only play it as one certain character. Like there's a Harley Quinn mission or there's a there's a Killer Croc mission or something like that. Yeah, it'd be cool. There's like- a sniping mission where you play as Deadshot. Maybe it's like a GTA and you can switch between the different characters around. Uh... Well, that, that's what I was thinking originally. Maybe like you just swap and choose the character at any time and like one could like jump into the scene and another one could jump out type thing. Hmm. Like their Deathstroke comes rappelling down on a grapple or something and takes over for Harley Quinn and she just like goes into the nearest bar or something like that. Or what if... And this isn't going to be the case because it's called Suicide Squad. What if you actually play... No, you wouldn't play a Superman taking down the Suicide Squad. You'd absolutely rinse them. <laughs> yeah, that, a Batman would be more but this realistic. Is why, but, but then why would you name it after the villains of the game? Yeah, but then why would why would you put the Suicide Squad against Superman? Like, I don't know. I just feel like Superman would just obliterate them. Like, if you put... If you put movie or comic book Superman in against Harley Quinn, King Shark, and Deadshot, let's face it, they've not got a chance. Yeah, but somebody like Deathstroke would know how to take Superman on, you know what I mean? Like, he could be, like, the strategic leader of him. He could be their Batman counterpoint. This is why. How does Batman kill, uh, take on... Superman. Yeah. He should just punch straight through the guy. Well, this is why I feel like it might be Bizarro and not Superman. And also the fact that we don't see the face of the character as well. The- I think I think it was because they were going for sort of like he is that target sort of thing. Like, like that could be in the middle of a battle or something and then Deadshot's looking at him from like a mile away and he's targeting him. You know what I mean? They might be like boss logic's done they might be ready to roll out a load of different ones um, it's like throughout the game you take out different heroes I'm maybe you just straight excited. up kill heroes it's like proper like dark universe type shit I am extremely excited to see whether that's the, whether it is the case I'm gonna yeah. like, Would, I'd, I'd just be excited to know I'm wrong as well but I'd be very excited to know if I was right <laughs> we're just excited that. for this game what, do you reckon this is going to be in situ with the other Arkham games so it's going to be that version of Harley Quinn and everything like that 
Maybe. Because we've had a version of most Suicide Squad characters, because most of them are Batman villains. We've had Harley Quinn. We've had Deathstroke was in Arkham Origins. You've had Deadshot in there. You've had Killer Croc in there. What if, Chris? Let me just let me just stick on this Bizarro theory for a second. <laughs> what if this game is the Suicide Squad have been hired to take out the Bizarro Justice League? You know, that would be cool. You know that how you've cool. got the Escape from Bizarro World action comics, the really old action comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if that's why they've been. That would, uh, that would be cool. Some like alternate dimension. Oh shit, man, like man. I don't know what to bet right now, but I've I've got I've got <laughs> I've got. I feel like you're this. making your own game up, and that would also be really fucking cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I don't think that's what we're gonna get, but I would love to have that. We will. We will talk about this, and we'll put some stakes on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean, you mentioned before about the Avengers game. I mean, I've heard that's been a little bit mixed reviews for those that have been playing the beta and stuff. I don't know whether you've had a chance to play it yet. No, the beta is only out at this current moment on PlayStation 4, and I'm waiting for the PC or the Xbox version, which comes out in a couple of days. Uh, I've heard it's been a little bit lukewarm. Yeah, um, it's from what I've heard, it's because we were talking about this the other night. It was only a couple of nights ago we were talking about it. It's um, kind of like Destiny-esque, but I think there's elements where people like aren't sort of into those types of games, so they're a bit hit and miss, but then like... When you're out in the bigger environments, it's sound, it's fine, it's whatever. I think most of the issues that I'm hearing from are sort of like the side-side missions. Mm. So, you know, like the really small missions that you would just run around on Destiny and pick up and it's just a little loot grind. Yeah. It's normally those ones that people are saying it's a bit weird because it's like... Like, the characters don't feel right because it's always like a generic lab or something like that. And the characters don't feel right in those environments. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's hit or miss at the moment. Also, just because a trailer's just popped up on the side of the website that I'm looking at, um, Mulan's coming out on the fourth of September. Oh, okay. So it's next month. Yeah, because we're recording this in August. Yeah, and the episode's being released in August. It was literally as I was talking. Then it just flashed up with a trailer, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> there's the date." Nice. Uh, that's all. Then that's all the stories I've got. What, what okay. have you got to cover? Um, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is set to start filming in 2021 Uh, so this has been rumoured for a while there's been rumblings about it happening so this is a true crime drama set in the 1920s um, where oil is found on Native American land and um, I think it might be like an oil tycoon or something like that has Native American people killed I believe um and it's an FBI um newly formed FBI are trying to uncover a sinister conspiracy but it's going to have Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro nice. in obviously classic Scorsese fashion but this is the first time since 1996 that they're going to be in a film together so mm. I'm excited for it that'll be good yeah. Scorsese always puts out good stuff this is like one of the few times he's tried to tackle true crime or anything like that. So hopefully it's not sound. like five hours long. <laughs> I don't care if it is. If it's got Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro, 
And Scorsese, I'll watch it. I've yeah. watched The Irishman two and a half times. Oh, no. <laughs> too many times. I've watched eight and a half hours of The Irishman. <laughs> Jesus. It's a good film. Well, I didn't finish um, it. I gave up. <laughs> you didn't finish it at all? No. I thought you did. Didn't we cover it on the podcast? Didn't we talk about The no, Irishman? No, we didn't do an episode of it. We didn't do an Irishman oh, episode right. because... I don't. I don't know. Maybe that came out before the podcast started. Actually, we uh, we talked about it when we were talking about the Oscars. That's when we talked about it. That sounds anyway because right, it's it sweeped, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, he has so this is like two weeks before Fandom, but he's shared on Vero a look at his version of Steppenwolf. Sorry, what's Vero? <laughs> uh, his exclusive. Um, Social media that only he uses. Okay, so, I just wanted s- to clarify that for listeners. And <laughs> um, I, I've yeah, seen this. I've seen this. Yeah, it, I, have you seen this? Yeah. yeah, it looks a lot cooler than the version that we got. It's just another grey CGI monster, but it looks cooler than the grey, horrible, uncanny valley brain helmet that we got from the actual Justice League. Yeah, it looks a little bit more inhuman than what we got. Because Steppenwolf yeah. in Justice League just looked like a big human, didn't he? Big grey yeah, human. Big grey human with a weird helmet. Yeah, where this looks a little bit more dunno, it looks like a little bit more slender but a little bit more creepy. Yeah. He I'm looks down. more menacing. Like yeah. he's a lot more spiky. I'm down. <laughs> Especially because we're getting that kind of like younger looking dark side in that uh in that shot as well. Yeah, and it look and it does look a little bit more slender. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 looking. For, I'm still looking I'm, forward to the Snyder I'm Cut. F- I'm thinking during Fandom we'll get a new trailer, which is going to be more Zack Snyder's footage. It's yeah. going to be like this is what the new story is. I reckon that's what we're going to get because I think he's got an entire panel for it. Wow. So that's the only bit of news that I had. I've got a couple trailers that I want to run through. Shoot. Um, in our world famous segment, Trailer Trash! <laughs> Easy, girl! <laughs> <laughs> so, the first one I want to talk about is coming to Netflix on September 4th. The film is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's a film by Charlie Kaufman, who... Um, wrote Adaptation and uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and being John Malkovich. Uh, he also directed later on in life as well. I can't remember what he's directed off the top of my head. He might have directed Adaptation, I think was one of his first directorial ones. So he wrote it and directed it. Anyway, it's based off a novel. It's like a cerebral horror twisty thing it's got jesse plements in it's got jesse buckley in the lead role so she's taken off since uh wild rose i think it was in uh it's got tony collette and david thelis thulis david thulis who was aries and wonder woman if you don't know um this looks really weird aries? really interesting aries 
Yes, Ares. Yeah, he played Ares. Sorry, took me a second. Sorry. Um, So this is like a girl is going with her boyfriend to meet his parents and there's weird sort of time loopy stuff. His parents don't seem all there. Like the dog is stuck in a constant time loop of shaking off water and everything like that. And like she's like trying to figure out her place in the timeline and all sorts of different stuff. But it's meant to be kind of a spook at the same time we got little horror elements in there sounds pretty Um, crazy trapped in a farm during a snowstorm so she goes to visit the parents they get trapped there in the snowstorm um yeah it looks weird uh but it looks amazing at the same time it's shot in four by three but it's shot like really high def which is weird like you know, most films nowadays that come out and they're in 4x3, they try to make it look like old vintage film cameras and stuff, don't they? But this mm. looks like it's shot digitally. It's got that digital look to it. Interesting. It's almost a bit like a Wes Anderson thing, isn't it? Yeah, like shooting in 4x3 straight away, I thought like Wes Anderson and some of the framing in it is definitely Wes Anderson-like. Um, but it's so crisp and clear. It doesn't look like it's shot on film. The colours don't look like that. Like They look digital. Is strange, but I'm I'm down for it. Like, Mike, maybe that's just something just to draw you into it a bit more because it is strange. It's a strange story. So having things that conflict, like the four by three, but the sharp image quality, might be something to do with that. Might be what Charlie Kaufman's going for. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, following on for that, we've got Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, which is coming out next year. It stars Daniel Kalula from um, uh, Get Out and uh, Black Panther. Yeah, I'm losing things out of my brain today. Um, and Lakeith Stanfield as well. Um, he's fantastic. Also, it's got Jesse Plemons in again. Killing it. So this is the true story of Chairman Fred Hampton from the Black Panther movement who was assassinated by the FBI and they tried to get one of the Black Panther members, I think, to take the fall for it or something like that or try and get insider information from him and all this sort of stuff. But it looks like a really like intense film. It's produced by um, Ryan Coogler nice. from Black Panther again. It's directed by Shaka King who I've never seen any of his work before. He's made a few films, but they're more like um, festival films, so they don't really get a wide release or anything like that. But he's directing this, and Ryan Kalula is um, uh, producing it. Yes. Kugler. Yeah. I, I kept saying Kaluga. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I apologise. Ryan Kugler. Um, <laughs> my mind is getting messed up with all this stuff. That comes out next year. We don't have an official release date yet. Obviously, everything's up on its arse at the moment with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final one that I wanted to talk about, there was another one which I haven't had a chance to check out. There's a Maisie Williams film coming out, which seems really dark, apparently. But there's a HBO Max series coming out from Ridley Scott called Raised by Wolves. Um, it says mother was programmed to protect everyone after Earth has been destroyed when a big bad wolf shows up. And she is the one we must trust. So she's like an AI created. She's a, got a human robot body. She's an AI meant to like raise the next um, generation of humans on a distant planet somewhere. 
and it wouldn't be Ridley Scott if you didn't have AI. It wouldn't be Ridley Scott if it didn't have AI or aliens or foreign planets. Um, I, I'm struggling to remember the guy's name, the guy that played Ragnar Lothbrook in Vikings. Um, uh, who is the actor? It's not telling me. Thank you for not telling me. Internet. The guy <laughs> from Vikings. <laughs> It's the lead guy. He was the guy from uh, Warcraft. What's his name? It's not quite... Travis Philman. There you go. There we go. We found it in the end. Um, he is apparently the big bad wolf that's coming in, but is maybe she the big bad wolf? We don't know. But this is launching straight on HBO Max, I believe also in September. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool, like really interestingly shot, like robots with psychic powers and weird alien creatures and everything like that. It's like a, a question on humanity and good and evil and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's Ridley Scott, so, you know. I don't know what it's going to launch on in the UK and the rest of the world. Maybe Amazon, maybe something like that. But yeah, I'm going to check it out. Cool. Um, I've got one more film that we should talk about that we got a little bit of a look at. It's Pixar's okay. Luca. I don't know. Uh, have we have we had a look at this now? Because we did mention it last week. We haven't got like a full trailer for it yet. It's just like a reveal. But the animation style looks really interesting. Plus, it's a really big, really good move by Pixar because obviously it's focusing on a young boy living in the Italian Riviera. Um, yeah. But it's you know it's good for Italian, especially with everything going on right now. It's a really good thing to be to be put out. Um, it's going to be coming out summer 2021 and it's going to come out in cinemas, which is also really good. Yeah, um, I'm literally watching it right now. <laughs> uh, but the boy who shares adventure is basically the boy has a best friend. Uh, the best friend is also a sea monster from another world, from just below the world's surface. Um, okay. And that seeks to uh, threaten the bond that they have between each other. But there's not been a voice cast announced yet, so uh, we don't know who's actually going to be in this film but it's um yeah it looks really nice it kind of has like i think it's the background and stuff kind of gives me a little bit of a studio ghibli vibe in terms of like the the actual um art direction for it but then obviously yeah, when you it's... see the you see the kids it's not quite that when they're jumping off the edge so but the the background and the art style and the art direction kind of reminds me a little bit of that but just a little bit less anime yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit confused what it's going to look like. So that shot of the boys jumping off is the one that I saw last week when I was talking about it. It's just sort of like one of the mood board images. Like this is like what we're looking for. The opening stuff with the the water and stuff like that. The water looks like classic like Pixar pseudo realism sort of water, but then the trees look really painterly, which is nice. And then the title reveal at Luca, I do get what you mean. It's sort of ghibli-esque because like things are just like moving on different textures so it looks like it's like it's a 2d animated world but 3d like yeah i think the animation strange but it looks gorgeous yeah it looks really cool it looks really cool and you've got all those like light up bugs i'm wondering if that's going to be the final animation style or whether this is just sort of like a you know um an animatic you know what i mean like a moving storyboard for it yeah I'm not entirely sure, but 
but Pixar have never put out a bad thing so far, have yeah. they? So we'll have <laughs> to wait and see. Is that we will. all done with news and trailers for the week? Uh, that's all, that's everything. So <laughs> we talked longer than we thought. We have got a main topic this week, which is the Umbrella Academy. More specifically, the Umbrella Academy season two. However, we should probably talk a little bit about season one because season one came out and we watched season one uh, prior yeah. to us doing the podcast, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, it came out last September, I believe. Yeah, and I know obviously we then. spoke a little bit about it when we were talking about our excitement for Umbrella Academy, but it'd be good mm-hmm. to kind of reflect a little bit before we go ahead and watch that. Yeah, I've literally just finished season one as well, so I was watching season two while I was also watching season one with my girlfriend because I was getting her into it, hoping that we could catch up in time for the podcast, but we didn't, so I think we're like two episodes into season two now. What does she think of season one? Do you know what? She she was struggling a little bit to begin with, and then she really got into it. Like she seriously got into it. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I think didn't you watch it with Emily as well? Like and sort of a similar thing. Like she didn't wasn't expecting to get into it quite as much. Uh, yeah, I think um, it's just because it's one of those things where there's not a lot that makes sense, and it drops <laughs> you straight into this really already pre-established world. It kind yeah. of doesn't. It doesn't give you that time to like build stuff up and make sense of what's going on or explain why there's a chimp butler. And, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't do that. It's quite unforgiving in that sense. It's just let lets you in on it. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just loved it, man. I love season one. I just loved all the... Well, the one thing that the Umbrella Academy does really well is the musical beats and how it mm-hmm. puts them into part of the scene and the screenplay. It's like in some in some shots, it's always like the song comes first and then the screenplay comes second. It's like they write the the screenplay around a song. And it's yeah, just like, so perfect. Like just Yeah, the they choreograph the scene around the music, which interestingly enough, a lot of the choreography in the show is actually by Ellen Page's wife, now wife. Interesting. I didn't know that. That's quite good. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna uh, go pretty much just spoilers on season one because we're imagining if you're watching a if you're watching an episode about season two, you should have probably have watched season one. So <laughs> you would have thought. Uh, Do you know what? We, so we I'll, will, I'll just preface. Yeah, go we on. will try and avoid spoilers for season two up until a point. So we'll give you a little bit of fair warning. Yeah, definitely. We'll give you the classic spoiler warning: three, two, one, all that shenanigans. But. I'm going to start off then. I'll preface by saying to begin with, um, I preferred season two to season one, I think. Um, Season one's really interesting, and on a rewatch, you can notice a few things coming before they happen and stuff like that, but I think season two is probably more rewatchable. So I've watched season one twice now, and it's great both times, but I feel like I would get more out of watching season two again. What makes you feel that? Is it because maybe the setting and because there's... I think season two has more interesting... It, it takes you through more areas, doesn't it? You you see more and, you know, you see more of the um, the commission stuff and, and all sorts of stuff. Like, you just see yeah. a lot more where I feel like season one is very much about the donut diner, the house, and the you know, wherever Vanya is. Like, it, it yeah. really doesn't go much outside of those environments because I guess that is because 
it's trying to make you build on the characters versus trying to then just put those characters in crazy positions, you know? Yeah, literally, like, that's literally exactly what I was going to say. Like, season one is a lot more self-contained. It is a smaller narrative because they do need to set up all these weird concepts and stuff like that. I think what you were saying earlier as well is, like, it is a pre-established world and everything like that, but I like the fact that it doesn't explain itself straight away. Like, it does something and it makes you sit with it and see the reactions before you see the cause a lot of the time. Yeah. So you normally find, like, the cold open of an episode will be explaining some of the weird stuff from the episode before, which yeah. is really interesting. Like, a lot of the stuff in season one with, uh, obviously, Klaus time-traveling and stuff like that, you get you see his reactions and you see the PTSD and all this sort of stuff and you find out about you fell in love and all this sort of stuff before you, then you get the explanation later that uh, he got stranded during the Vietnam War and stuff like that. And I think season two does a good job of that as well. Like, it'll... Uh, something will happen and then it, you'll have flashbacks and you'll have like things that explain it like it makes you try to figure it out and unravel the story and you see where it slots in more without it just straight away cut into an explanation yeah totally and it and it does a really good job of creating interesting questions that then it'll answer much later on like you said yeah like yeah i mean that i know it's a trope anyway of series to do that but it's not just like there's someone dead or it's like why is luther on the moon you know and it answers that later on it's only Mm -hmm. once cha-cha and hazel attack the house that you realize that that's why luther is so massive and it's like it doesn't answer that you know it takes its time and it's almost like really cocky, confident kind of thing where it knows that you're going to be interested by what's going on and it will hang on and wait, make you watch it before you get an answer. It's like, it's like, it's not answered at all in season one. Why Pogo is a thing. It's not answered (laughs) at all. Yeah. It's sort of hinted at, he's saying that like he saved his life and stuff like that. Like he feels like he owes his life to him and he is his master at the end of the day. But then in season two, it is explored. And like I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't see more of Pogo's backstory because they set it up and they did it really well in that one episode. Mm. But I was disappointed that there wasn't more of it. Like It didn't serve the greater narrative of that season. No. But I kind of wanted to see it anyway because I really like Pogo. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, uh, you know, here it, you know, you see, I think it was in the trailer anyway, Pogo appears in season two. And you get to see a little bit of that as well. And yeah, I think it's I think it's done tastefully because there's a lot that happens in season two. That's what I was thinking. Like you said earlier, like season one was about the characters and stuff like that. Like season one, like there's a really interesting way of viewing it of it's seven different people showing like seven different variations of what having like an abusive parent is like, having a neglectful parent. Mm. And then season two, they don't need to linger on that as much because a lot of them got elements of closure on that storyline as well. But then the ones that didn't get that sort of thing in season two. So season one, like you said, was more about character. Season two was about situation and subplots and stuff like that. Yeah, and how much it changes those characters as well. Because it's like the Luther we get in Season 2 is a very, very different Luther to what we get in Season 1. Yeah, but it's, it feels like a logical progression from yeah. Season 1. Yeah, like, definitely. he learned something at the end of Season 1, but then he was just separated from it completely for like a year. 
Yeah. So, like, the the preface for season two as well. No, we're not going to do spoilers, but, like, this is, like, the gist of what happens. So, at the end of season one, they travel through time to avoid the end of the world, don't Which they? Which is caused, so in- caused by Vanya hitting the moon and creating a, the apocalypse. And it's yeah, all so, about stopping the apocalypse. Yeah, so these seven siblings cause the apocalypse, like, that they were trying to stop. So they go back in time, but then they all get scattered throughout time. They all wake up in Dallas across, I think it's three years before the Kennedy assassination. So it's about stopping the end of the world again because obviously they changed the course of history with the Kennedy assassination and they caused the launch of the Cold War and everything like that and a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, So that's the gist of it. They put the opening bit of Five landing in time, didn't they, as a trailer. So you saw the bit where Five lands out the portal straight after the events of season one. And the Soviets mm-hmm. have invaded Dallas, uh, and then you yeah. see the nukes going off. Um, so that that was a trailer. So it is essentially stopping that. Uh, but it sounds like it might just—it's you know—it's possibly just a repeat of season one, but it is much more than that. Yeah, it's totally different. Like the way the apocalypse is handled in this, I think, like in season one, you struggling to figure out how it would happen and stuff like that. Whereas in season two, you feel like you know how it happens. Like, you know it's something to do with either Kennedy is assassinated in the wrong way or you, you like, figure out pretty early on that maybe it's, like, they it's that classic story of would you go back and kill baby Hitler or something like that. Like, if you could stop, like, somebody or something from happening, how would that influence the timeline? Mm-hmm. So this is, like, about, like do we stop the Kennedy assassination or do we help cause the Kennedy assassination type thing? Yeah. Uh, and which will, like, figure out into the right timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interesting because straight away, as a viewer, you know, like, it's got something to do with that. But then the way that they twist the story to, like, that almost becomes, like, a subplot into, like, a wider story. I thought it was really interesting. Like that's why I'm saying season two, I could probably rewatch and get more stuff out of. Yeah, I enjoyed rewatching season one. I like really. It was nice to go back and watch like all the flashback scenes of them as kids, like where that bank's getting robbed and stuff, and mm-hmm. have all that you know that crazy five back and forward time travel stuff, and the whole Hazel and Char Char stuff is really funny. Um, the guy who plays hazel is just so good he also plays um edward kemper in mindhunter he's just such a good actor definitely i i think season one is good to rewatch for those flashbacks you notice things a lot earlier that come back a lot later and stuff like that like knowing glances or like certain like information threads being dropped and stuff like that which are really interesting that you get on a rewatch because obviously like we said the the way they distribute information to the viewer yeah uh, i don't Whereas, know whether it was i don't know whether it was season one or whether it, sorry just just while it's on my mind i don't know whether it was season one or season two but at the end of one of the episodes there's a gerard way song that plays and if, for those that don't know, this comic book for the Umbrella Academy that I didn't realise was a comic book before I'd finished season one um, is written by Gerard Way from Mike M. 
Which yeah, yeah, cool. definitely. That was one of the ways that I sold it to my girlfriend. Like, I was trying to explain it to her. I was like, okay, so it's a bunch of adopted siblings who all have superhero uh, superpowers and stuff like this, but they're a dysfunctional family, and the dad dies, and they're trying to stop the apocalypse. And she was looking at me a bit funny. I was like, it was made by Gerard Way. And she was like, oh, because me and my girlfriend were really into My Chemical Romance in high school. <laughs> so she's like, oh, okay. And then I was like, they have a talking chimp butler. <laughs> And she was like, okay, I'll watch the show. But also, like, the superpowers that they have, maybe apart from Allison, are all, like, really grounded. Like, the you know, Diego can throw things and manipulate things in the air, but mm-hmm. he can't, like, he can't levitate things. It's just that he can throw something like a knife and be really accurate with it. So yeah, Luke, it's like yeah. weapon manipulation once the weapon's in the air, like you said. Like it's such a specific skill. Like like a lot of these superpowers are so specific, it's weird. It's yeah. funny how specific some of them are. Which is why it kind of stands out from things like X-Men and stuff. And it's like five can time travel, but you can also blink to different places in current time. And you've got Allison can, you know, r- say i heard a rumor and say something to someone and then it'll happen and they'll do it it's just like such weird little niche powers that it just makes it really interesting because it's nothing that's absolutely like rule breaking i mean maybe the time travel's a little bit rule breaking but (laughs) but they, they use it in a grounded way and i think the stuff with the commission being like a time and space authority um like makes it so that the time travel is grounded in it like there are still rules and consequences to it it's not just like oh let's add time travel and we can wave our hand away with anything like every single time jump that is in both seasons has a consequence and it's dark but it's fun that's what i really like about umbrella academy season one it's really dark it's really grim but there's so many fun moments it's like the bit where they all arrive at the house and then they have that little dance-off, like where you yeah. see them all in the different rooms. And then you've got the bit where um, where Fives gets attacked. Fives, I'm saying Fives, like the flaming clone trooper from Clone Wars. <laughs> five get, number Five gets attacked in the donut diner and then there's a, a song plays and I just, I don't know. I love, I love yeah. the use of music and I love how it's got a little bit of everything. It's got like tense moments, it's got really geeky moments it's got really nice moments like my one of my favorite moments from season one is the bit where luther and allison finally have that moment together and oh yeah it was so it was good. so good and then it's completely undone in the next episode yeah because then there's that big uh, <laughs> thing where like time's just reversed straight afterwards and it's like time tra- to five let's time travel back and let's fix what we just did it's like yeah like so that when i was watching it with my girlfriend because i knew like everything got undone and i was watching it and like everyone gets such good closure like in that episode because they think the world's just going to end they all have such good closure like they like said like luther and allison go to visit claire so she would have like met like the couple in love and like her uncle that she's heard so much about klaus and um diego have a really nice bonding moment and everything like that uh vanya like discovers that Leonard Peabody maybe wasn't the person that she was and then she would have got out of that toxic relationship following that and stuff like that. Like it was 
they all had such good moments of closure and then the fact that it's just undone in the next episode was so funny and the way that things play out is just so great the one thing i want to mention before i forget it again the way they evolve the powers in season two is really interesting as well yeah so it's like throughout season one like you start to notice a few things are changing like especially with klaus klaus is discovering new powers and stuff like that and then it's then in season two you start to see the other ones start to like change their abilities and stuff like that but it's like as they're growing as people and as a family and as a team um it's like they were all held back by the father almost like although he was the one pushing them forward to be like these superheroes now like now that he's gone they're able to develop more yeah yeah it's good isn't it it's that's what i mean it's not like it it takes its time which is really yeah good. definitely um i really liked the leonard peabody uh harold jenkins um arc and i liked how at first you don't realize that he's got dark intentions i like how it takes its time oh. with that and it's charlotte so- was like every moment between and she's like oh he's such a nice guy like look like this is what she needed in her life and i was just sort of silent watching it just like yeah such a good couple and then like as soon as like you start to notice a few more sinister things she was like what yeah what (laughs) and then and then it kind of guilt trips you a little bit because it's like yeah it's dark and but then he has that moment where you go back to his past and you see him as a kid and how he just wanted to join the umbrella academy and he just thought he was special and obviously like there's this there's always this thing that uh reginald hargreaves the dad is just like horrible to everybody and then he's horrible even more specifically horrible to him and I just I just love how it just slowly progresses and then he turns into this really demented and his death scene in season one whoa <sighs> just well whoa. that that's like that's like what that reminded me of was um Charles Xavier's death in X Men three. You know, from Jean Grey where she tears the house apart and tears him apart inside of it. It really had those vibes to it. Yeah. Yeah. Where you had like that that R rating like twist on it where you could get a bit snotty with it. Yeah. I think we need to talk more about season two as well. Like Oh yeah, 100%. Like should we should we jump into spoilers for season two now so we can just talk about it freely? Um there's a couple of things but we could probably just yeah, we should probably just go on to spoilers. I mean we've already kind of gave our opinion on season two. Uh that yeah. we really enjoy it. It's very good. Um, the characters are as good as what you'd expect in it. The time, you know, it's still got all the great music hits and stuff that the first one has. So if you enjoyed what the first one did, it's got even more of that in the second one. It's got time travel shenanigans. It's got some new characters. Maybe we should speak about the new characters a little bit without spoilers. So there's... Okay, yeah. Because, um, yeah. You've got Lila, who is... Um, a new character who I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah. We can't really talk much about that, but I just want to talk, you know, you get the um, commission bits, so you get a couple of the people that you saw from the commission. Oh. Um, AJ, it's it's a talking fish inside of a robot human body. Yes, that was in the trailer. Do you need to know more? Yeah. That, <laughs> that is just like, when you saw that in the trailer, it's like, where are we going? 
<laughs> like <laughs> that just going? cemented itself at that point is like season one was somewhat grounded and then as soon as you saw that for season two you're like okay this show is going full on it's unleashing everything from the comic books now like yeah fucking go for it and it's just so like i saw that and i was just like this is just what i want and i just had that really good feeling that you just know it's going to be good you just know it's going to be good and um another really quick thing that i didn't know before we go into spoilers the guy who plays Klaus is actually Irish, like fully, yeah. really, really strong Irish accent, and I had no idea. It really... Yeah, he played um, Nathan in Misfits, so he was doing a British accent for that. Yeah. He's a great British actor. Yeah, really diverse. Anyway, right, okay, I'm ready for spoilers now. Okay. Uh, so, three, two, one, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We're doing spoilers yeah. for season so, two, right? switch off. I, I want to quickly it, talk about... And <laughs> carry on listening to the episode to get our thoughts on it. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Full, fully into it, because I might spoil something straight away now, because I want to carry, carry on what you're talking about, characters and stuff like that. Season one, Klaus was definitely my favourite character. He was such an interesting character, and I thought he was the best actor on the show. He's fantastic. Season two made me like Diego so much more. This was Diego's season for me. Oh, 100%. Like, like, like I said, Klaus was definitely my favourite character at the end of season one. And then after this, I was like, mate, I just want to see more of Klaus. Like, he full-on went on an arc on in this episode. You mean Diego? Yeah, 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 Diego in this season went on an arc. Like, it was great. Yeah, because season one was very much Klaus's story as well because you had all the the Vietnam bit and stuff like that that we spoke about. And it does... Well, you get a follow-up... You know, you get a follow-up in this where he finds uh, Dave and stuff and yeah. tries to convince him not to go into the military and, and all that kind of... And he's obviously started a cult and, you know, it's, <laughs> you know there, there is a lot of Klaus and, and obviously Ben uh, is yeah. in here. But I agree. I think Diego got a lot more fleshed out and also wasn't the edgelord that he was in the first season he was see that's the thing like his character felt more developed in this season because he did in season one he didn't really change that much except for deciding not to kill chacha at the end Mm. of season one he didn't really develop that much whereas in this he definitely went through a change and he tackled a lot more of his daddy issues because he didn't really tackle many of them in season one he tackled his mummy issues in season one yeah 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 i thought it was really interesting speaking about that and speaking about diego and grace it was really interesting that you find out that grace was actually built uh based upon someone from reginald's past yeah and like he probably would have had a wife and like they probably would have had like a proper mum from the beginning if they hadn't messed up their relationship yeah yeah and the fact that uh their relate his uh sorry pogo and grace robot grace's relationship was like so strong and stuff like that and then finding out that like real life human grace raised pogo as a young chimp yeah and she was like 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 really uh, i can't think of the word now she was like uh, one of the reasons why he became sentient and got the serum injected into him and stuff like that mm-hmm. um speaking of favorite characters i really really liked luther in this i thought luther's yeah. comedic timing with a lot of stuff was really good in season yeah, two he felt more three-dimensional as well like in season one like 
he, he had really interesting turns in season one. Like, he was, like, the straight-laced daddy's boy, and then, like, when he finds out that, like, his dad sent him away for no reason and all this sort of stuff, like, that was really cool and really in-depth. But in this one, he felt like a more 3D character, like he was tackling the issues from season one a lot more than a lot of people were. Yeah, he was a lot more and, independent in season yeah. two. It it was a drastic change for his character, but it felt logical, and the way that they played out his story worked a lot better. Mm-hmm. I liked how I liked the bit when he went to Allison's house and then met her husband. <laughs> he was so good in that scene, and there's that whole <laughs> awkward bit where it's like that realization that he sits there and he just starts eating, and it's this <laughs> thing with Luther where it's like. He doesn't. He doesn't have to eat to um, to get big. He's just big. But it's like it's just so funny when he's just like sat there and he's just like absolutely just. Well, he eats sympath- his feelings, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just absolutely sympathy eating at the uh, the barbecue place, and it's and then <laughs> he, he's just he's really good in this. I so think, that's yeah. that's actually a funny twist on what happens in the comic book. So in the Dallas storyline in the comic books, Luther like is like falls into like a bit of a depression and stuff like that and he eats his feelings in that but he spends most of that arc just on a couch in a hideout just getting massive like he becomes like the size of the fucking hideout with <laughs> this tiny still like human-sized head but this massive gorilla body like he just ends up eating and eating and eating until he gets massive <laughs> that's pretty funny. so that's a really interesting version of how they did it in the show because they change a load of things for the show um but like that was a really interesting version because it still served his character and it was like a cool little character quirk. It was sort of like Klaus's addiction in the first season. Yeah, was Luther's eating like whenever he was down or something like that, he would eat. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny. I like. Want to how- talk about the new characters again then? Yeah, so Lyle is a really interesting new character, and it it obviously at the end it turns out that she's got her powers because she was born on the same day as the rest of the Umbrella Academy, mm. which is very, very interesting. But so, I can't remember, where does she go at the end? Because she doesn't time travel back with them. Does she go back to the commission? You don't find out where she goes. She just grabs the briefcase off um, oh, the handler's does. dead body, doesn't she? Yeah, she disappears. And Diego stops Luther from stopping her. Yes. Diego's just sort of like, she'll do what she needs to do, and if she needs to come back to her, she will. And I reckon she will in season three. Yes. Uh, that was something that I wanted like going into this season, because there's, there's what? Um, um, sorry, I'm getting confused with the numbers now. Was the 43 children born on that day, or was the 36? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> I, th- I feel like there was 43... And he only got seven of him, didn't he? So there's all, there's another thirty six out there. Ah, right, okay. That so I was thinking going into season two, I was like, I'm hoping we see a few more of these, like a few of the super powered individuals who were born on the same day. Obviously, the timelines didn't work out, but with there being so many, so much time travel stuff, I was like, they could easily bring characters into it. And obviously, with the cliffhanger of what's going to happen in season three. I'm down two roots of where I think season three is going to go. We can either talk about that now or we can talk about that at the end of uh, speculation for season three. Shall we Shall we talk about it now while we're, okay. we're, on, we're on topic? So um, there's a few things that I really want to quickly uh, talk about with this. So the you find out at the end of season three that 
they, at the end of season two. At the end of season two, the they go back to the current time, but a lot of stuff's changed. And then they find yeah. that the dad's still alive, and then Ben's still alive, and then there's a different bunch of people. Well, we're assuming a different bunch of people that are at the the top of like looking down the, from them from the second it's floor. It's the Sparrow Academy. So now, the Sparrow well. Academy, yeah. So a really interesting thing in this that uh, I saw on a screen rant video is that throughout the whole of season two, there's always this talk about birds. So yeah. you've got. Um, uh, Harlan's playing with like a bird toy, and that's when it first shows off his powers. Uh, you've got the bird, like a focus on the birds in the air above the house. Uh, you've got um, the what's his name, the guy who is watching them as they're being teleported in in different years. Uh, Elliot, Elliot, he's he's watching them, and he then says about how he doesn't like a particular bunch of birds apart. There's all these really weird mentions of birds all the time. <laughs> That then is a link to the Sparrow Academy at the end. Um, yeah, well, that I thought that was coming from the Sparrow toy that um, Harlan was uh, levitating at the end. That's where I assumed the name came from. Yeah. So these, in terms of the comics, there's only only just been a mention of the Sparrow Academy. Um, which I don't know. I haven't looked that far into it. So there's a there's a comic called there's a well there's an Umbrella Academy issue called Hotel Oblivion, uh, and the Sparrow Academy arrives right at the end. So it's a bit like season two, um, but obviously we they don't you know they don't know why they're each other are there. So we yeah. don't know what's happened in this timeline to cause it to happen, but it's it's maybe because Reginald at this point now in this timeline knows that knows what's happened and knows why they've gone back to the past that he's able to train a much more capable much more of a unit umbrella academy but the sparrow academy so yeah so yeah my my thoughts are like because now Hargreaves knows about it earlier on in the timeline. He's going to seek out people like Harlan and stuff like that. And that's probably where the name originates from. Is probably he'll find Harlan and maybe a couple other ones that exist in the timeline before this now. Yeah. Um, maybe so, like, Harlan is playing with a Spyro toy. Maybe that's where it gets the name from. So maybe this is, like, the newest generation of the Sparrow Academy because it might have started in the 70s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah, I mean, so, maybe he's a lot more prepared and maybe he finds, like, the more powerful ones because in the... there's a You don't see all of the powers in uh, the Hotel Oblivion volume, but you get to see a little bit of them and they have that weird um, floating uh, cube as well, the, yeah. the weird familiar-looking thing. We don't know whether that is uh, one of the members of the Sparrow Academy or whether it's, like, a familiar that's used but uh, i'll quickly just talk through what the powers are kind of like just so um there's only a couple of them i mean potential spoilers for season three here guys (laughs) potential spoilers for season three so um one member has luther like super strength so one is essentially uh luther which would be really interesting because if one of them basically is luther but without needing the Maybe it's Luther, and he didn't need the super serum. Like, so what if it's the same Luther, 
but he never had to become a gorilla body. <laughs> so this is what I was thinking. So my thoughts were one of two things. Are we going to see a different one from the 43 or however many children are born? Are we going to see all new guys? So like he went out and recruited different people, like you said, or are we going to see like doppelgangers of the ones that we've yeah. already got? Cause he's still but, like, obviously things ben. have changed. He still got Ben. So Ben, yeah. Still and there. Ben's still alive. Well, what because I don't think they had chance to fully unlock Ben's abilities when he was a kid. I think that's why he only releases the Kraken from his chest, because apparently, I'm not sure if I'm misunderstanding something, I think in the comic books he can summon different demons from other dimensions as well. Ah, uh, okay. So maybe in this timeline, if he's survived, like I think he's got a scar through his face as well uh, when he appears at the end of the season. Yeah, it um, almost seems like he's a bit more of a leader, doesn't he? And Yeah. Like I, I wonder if he's unlocked more of his powers and he can bring more demons through him and yeah. stuff like that. So another one can turn into ravens. So basically just turns into a whole bunch of birds, maybe sparrows, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the other one can channel their own pain into another person, like a human voodoo doll. Cool. And um, so then there's three other Sparrow Academy members who you don't know what they do. Uh, and then that, that would be four if the green cube is actually a person and not like a, something that attaches with another one of the um, yeah. members. But it's crazy, like this comic panel of this voodoo doll thing is this person stabs themselves with what looks like a screwdriver and then channels the pain into like other people who are like grabbing the stomach and falling on the floor. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it seems really cool. Sound. So that's where season three might go. Like, And I wonder if they're going to end up staying in that timeline and like forming sort of like a super team between the two different groups or whether they're going to go at loggerheads. Because we've seen like fives. Uh, five, I'm saying fives now. Five always wants to like make sure that he survives in his timeline and his version of his family stay alive is he maybe are they maybe going to go back and stop the sparrow academy from being formed so that they can continue being the umbrella academy if there's one thing um, we've learned from the umbrella academy the time traveling to fix something cause more problems exactly exactly um or whether we're going to get like a super team between the two things and like there's a new apocalypse maybe maybe they bring another apocalypse with them yeah um um, or maybe it, something along the lines of maybe like the multiverse thing. So so this was what I was thinking. Maybe Five's powers develop further so he can travel through time and through space. What if he can, like, because obviously he's doing all these things and they change things, maybe we look at the multiverse and maybe he can travel between dimensions so we see loads of different versions of the Academy or with different names or with different powers maybe. Yeah, And they what, need to find one that they can settle into. Yeah, maybe. It's um, it's interesting because maybe that would pair well with like Vanya's powers and stuff. Like maybe she could like boost that. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what's caused it with that stuff happening at the same time. Because yeah, because she was able to transfer her powers to um, uh, what was the kid's name again? Harlan. Harlan. Um, so maybe she could transfer some powers to five. And then, like you said, it makes his powers more stronger or something like yeah. that. I get such total Dr. Manhattan vibes from Vanya when she's fully powered. Oh, definitely. Seems also, like... Also, sp- 
speaking of that, um, I saw something about an Injustice 3 today, and I don't know if it was legit or whether it was just like a fan thing or what, uh, but it was in Injustice 3, and the dot on the I in Injustice was the Dr. Manhattan logo. Oh, that'd be cool. Because I know you like the injustice things. Anyway, back to Umbrella Academy. <laughs> I mean, just to just to say that it would be an injustice game next rather than a Mortal Kombat game. So that would be very cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe. Um, can we talk about the fact that Reginald Hargreaves is an alien? So I forgot about that scene from season one. And then somebody said it in like a recap of season one, just said like, oh, maybe Reginald's an alien. We might find out more in season two. I was like, what do you mean maybe he's an alien? And then like the night before I saw that, I saw episode the episode from season one where you see a bit of his backstory where it looks like spaceships leaving a planet. And then in season two, he takes off his face. Oh, yeah. You know what? I totally forgot about the spaceships leaving the planet bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so a that thing. was like a hint in season one. Yeah, that is a thing. That is something I totally, totally disregarded and forgot happened. So a really interesting little fact that came from Screen Rant again. The the whole, you know, the what are they called? The Mystic 12 or the Mysterious 12 or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, obviously, you get Illuminati vibes from them. But Definitely. in real life, the oh, I can't think of what they're called. What what is it? Because I feel like I need to get it right. I uh, think it was the mysterious twelve. Wasn't the majestic twelve. Majestic twelve. Yeah. The sort majestic like the... twelve is actually a, a real not 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 actually a real thing, but it is something that um, is in our our world, our time. That it's um, basically a organization that investigates um alien aircraft ufos conspiracies is the, so, is this a confirmed thing or a speculation like the men in black no the fbi debunk had to debunk it majestic okay, 12 so, ufo documents it's yeah if you go and look online you'll see it but it's really interesting because they talk about the majestic 12 in um in the umbrella academy and it turns out that he's an alien and it's like what yeah, that was so yeah. confusing. I was like, see, like, because they were doing stuff with like space travel and like a moon base and stuff like that, and I was like, do they know he's an alien and that's why he's on the team, uh, like part of the Majestic Twelve, or is it completely unrelated? Like, I was because I recently rewatched Paul as well. I was like, is it sort of like a Men in Black Area Fifty One type thing where they're using an alien amongst them to like help advance human civilization well, this is it like because that, they talk or... about his deep dark secret don't they and this is before yeah. anything umbrella academy related and he's obviously wants to do research on the dark side of the moon for some reason so this is this is what i mean about how the umbrella academy does a really good job of like putting a real random crazy um plot in there and then won't explain it, and then we'll gently explain it later on. That's just what they do yeah. a really good job of doing. So no doubt we'll get some answers in season three. I liked, I liked as well in season two that they tackled like the civil rights movement and stuff in the sixties as well, like and how that tied into like the Kennedy assassination and stuff like that. Like there was so many different subplots in this that it was so interesting. I think that's why it'll be more rewarding on a rewatch as well. 
Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like like we said, season one is a very like self contained narrative. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see it. We were talking about new characters as well. Um, uh, I can't remember the female character's name again, but the one that was with Diego and stuff like that. Uh, Lila. Lila, and we discover that she's another one of those things. She was a really interesting addition to the cast. Like I didn't know she was even in this going into it, and then she became such a big part of the season. Yeah, because they they have her as just like she's in that mental asylum with him. Did you did you clock early on or no? Did I clock what earlier on? Sorry, like, that like she wasn't like a mental patient or anything like that. Like there was something going on there because I thought like as soon as the breakout started, and you know when Diego was like, "Oh, how do you know how to fight like that?" Because I thought she played like like she played a mental patient really well. And then, like, when you see a fight and stuff like that, I was like, nah, nah, she's, like, she's in there for something to do with Diego. But I didn't think it was going to have anything to do with the commission. Yeah, I I was surprised that it was the commission. But I also, like, it was once she escaped, and I was like, oh, right, she's going to stay with him for a reason, and there's going to be turning out that it's there's more than what meets the eye with her and stuff like that. So yeah. I thought maybe she was just going to be perhaps more superpowered, and maybe she's in there for the for a reason related to her powers. But then when it turns out that she's the adopted daughter of the handler, and yeah, that's yeah, it's just, it's it's really interesting as well thinking about it, like how she can like almost like borrow people's abilities or copy them, sort of like Taskmaster style. Yeah, like. That's how she was able to like jump around in the fight with Five and stuff like that. And when uh, Five and Diego were getting attacked in the house at the party, like she was able to like throw like a shoe with like a uh, what was it that she threw like with amazing accuracy. So maybe she was channeling some of Diego's then. Yeah, it's all like these little tiny subtle. Yeah. Hints, so I'm wondering it? if on a rewatch we'll see more things like that. Mm. The bit like where she rumours Alison back was just brutal. Oh, yeah. See, because, like, Alison's powers, like, evolved in this as well. Like, so it's gone from just, like, you can manipulate someone's, like, free will and stuff like that um, to the point where they don't remember. She was able, just by saying things, she was being able to make things happen. Like, when she, at the beginning of episode one, when she rumoured those three guys' heads to explode, it's like... Like, your physical body, you can't make your head explode, can you? But because mm. she said it, she could bring it into existence, so maybe she can bring other things into existence. Yeah, that like, was pretty nuts. Maybe if she could have, like, re- like if Klaus could have channeled Ben like he did when he t- spoke to Diego, maybe she could have rumoured Ben back into existence or something. Mm. Like, because she can do things outside the boundaries of actual physical, like, what we know is possible. Maybe she could do some mad stuff like that now, and we just don't know. What did you think of the whole Ben arc and how they put more of a focus on Ben? I really enjoyed it because in season one, I thought he was he was just lingering there a bit too much and he was too silent, uh, whereas in season two, he played a much bigger role. Um, and I liked that as the series went on more. Like, it was... I wasn't a big fan of, like, him playing, like, a doting sort of ghost once to, like have a body to get with a girl type thing. I wasn't the biggest fan of that, but I liked the journey of his and Klaus's relationship, like finding out that like 
Klaus was able to keep him on the mortal plane instead of going off to heaven or wherever the light led to and stuff like that. Yeah, the whole bit and, where Ben learned how to possess bodies as well was just awesome. <laughs> when yeah. they're like fighting themselves and it's like it you know you see oh, that from, looked great as well like yeah. when like he was like trying to pull him out of his own body and stuff like that it looked great but then you and, can't see it from anybody else's um, oh, perspective when the fighting in the street in episode one yeah <laughs> so funny yeah but it's good i i thought i thought ben's death scene really worked as well like that proper hit me in the feels it's like he had finished what he was there to do like he was holding on and then he realized, like, in that moment, like, he couldn't go back from that, but he fulfilled a purpose. Like, he brought the family back together in that moment. Mm-hmm. He brought, he saved Vanya's life and stuff like that. And that was clearly his purpose for staying around. And that really hit with me. Like, uh, the, the way he was just there, like, can you just hug me? And I was like, feels, Ben, feels. Yeah, so in the feels. I'm so glad that he's going to be a bigger part of season three, I feel, as well. What did you think of the the Swedes? <laughs> they were so funny like you forgot they were there because they were silent throughout like yeah. until near the end like you forgot they were even a part of the season until they showed up and you're like fucking of course the swedes are here again yeah and how they're in there in like the first like 20 minutes and they just gun down hazel it's just oh, that brutal. upset me that hazel was not in the series more i thought he was going to be in it more i thought like maybe he'll pop back up later on I mean, you don't know whether he survived in the timeline that... Oh, hang on. <laughs> this is yeah, where it gets don't confusing. Because you don't know if he did stuff in those 20 years that he had with Agnes. You don't know if he's done stuff that we'll see in the future, whether he's gone to the future or anything. Yeah, but the thing is, is obviously thing, they've not gone back to the same timeline. They've gone to another timeline where Reginald was conscious of what Oh God! This Do you know is, what yeah. I'm still waiting for? I'm waiting for maybe a reveal in a future season or something that it was either Reginald or Five or maybe the two of them that started the commission. Yeah, that's what. Like I mean, that's in what my I was kind in of my head, for. I'm like Five definitely started this commission at some point. Yeah, it's like where does it start? And because unless... their time travel technology looks so much like his, and because he's constantly trying to figure out a formula, isn't he? Yeah. to figure out time travel properly. So if he could put that formula into practice in a briefcase, I, I'm sure that's going to be revealed at some point. Maybe it's Old Man 5 who does it, and maybe he changes, puts his uh, puts his consciousness into a goldfish, and then he becomes AJ. <gasps> See, I, want more, I wanted more AJ. I didn't yeah. need an explanation, but I just wanted more of it. I was like... You can't you can't have a talking goldfish and have him in like three scenes in the entire series. <laughs> yeah, especially him being so interesting. Just like it's you don't make like the most interesting looking and bizarre character in the show and then do or maybe they do. Maybe that's just the thing because the show's so wacky that they can do something wacky like that and they don't have to explain it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like having like these really strange um commission hunters or whatever you'd call them the agents and like how you'd have normal agents and then you've just got these three swedish brothers that are just like (laughs) well they didn't they say they were freelancers at one point yeah they were like hired they're like hired hired guns yeah very special like almost special forces kind of like that you get them if you really needed them kind of thing 
Yeah. But I just really enjoyed how brutal, silent they were. But then there's that moment where they're all in that flat together and they're like playing with the knife and then they throw, he throws it into one of his, the legs. <laughs> he doesn't even flinch. No. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. And it's just Is there- like, there's that bit where they have the, um, like the Viking burial and then he just like screams into the air. And then there's that Swedish version of um, uh, hello, hello by Adele. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I heard the chords come in. I was like, this is Adele's hello. I was like, what? Because we had already had the cover of Bad Guy at that point of Billie Eilish. Yeah, and I was like, okay, so they're clearly not just like using music from like they start like when they start playing um, I want it that way <laughs> yeah. by the Backstreet Boys. I was like, clearly they're not just using music from the 60s, but like the use of music was like so weird. Like, yeah, like the Swedish version of that and the cover of Billie Eilish. I was like, so I heard the chords coming in and I was like, okay, this is going to be Adele. I was like, this is a weird choice, weird song choice. And then when it was in Swedish, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Like, obviously it's like a Swedish, like, burial thing. And I was like, but why hello? And I I was like... I was like, why is it a Swedish version of it? Obviously, because it's the Swedes, but then, like, the Swedes were only in, like, that song for, like, a second, and I was like, this is bizarre, but I'm all about it. Yeah. I like I liked as well that it wasn't all about Vanya being the end of the world again. I was yeah. really scared when it was the bit in the FBI building before Ben calms her down. I was mm-hmm. almost a bit worried that it was just going to follow the same thing as season one, and I just I just wanted it to do something different. See, see I was I'm I'm interested to see where that goes because she would have still been the cause of the apocalypse even though she didn't destroy the world like she did in season one. So I'm wondering if in every timeline that she goes to, maybe because she's there, like maybe we'll see a season where Vanya doesn't go with him or something like that. So she yeah. doesn't cause an apocalypse and then they figure out it's like wherever she is, like there's going to be an apocalypse. Whether she causes it or not, it's just her being in the timeline. Yeah, maybe she's like... So then that could lead to... That could lead to, in a future season, maybe like Luther has to like retread those steps of like he did in season one of after to even lock her up or maybe they have to make the decision of whether they take her out of the timeline, whether they kill her or something like that. Yeah, or whether they Which just could leave. be a really interesting plot thread if they follow that through. Or maybe they leave her in the apocalypse and in a apocalypse timeline. Yeah, and they all make it out to go. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's what they were going to do in se- at the end of season one. They weren't going to take her with them. Yeah, I think it was Fives that was going to leave her, wasn't it? And then it was Luther who was like, "No, we don't leave her." It was how, like, how switch. did you feel about the uh, amnesia plotline? Because I thought I was like. This is a bit like hand wavy to like sort of get rid of like why they could all be friends in this timeline and stuff like that after what happened and stuff and get rid of like evil Vanya. Well, but then the way they it tackled because... it landed it really well. Yeah, I liked it because it meant that she was she figured out her powers almost a lot quicker, obviously because she was more aware of it. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I liked it. I think it was quite tastefully done. It wasn't like oh, we can't remind her because um, she'll cause the apocalypse again. It was just like quite gradually done, but in a way that wasn't overwhelming. What was overwhelming was the FBI agents torturing her because 
And at that point where they real like think she's like a Soviet spy <laughs> was just like the moment where you realize why the Soviets invaded in the yeah. very beginning. And it's like, oh my God, this is where it's going. Well, I, I already sort of had that in the back of my mind because I was like, this is leading up to like the Cold War and everything like yeah. that and things are happening. Like, I, I was unsure of that plot line to begin with because I was like, Amnesia is such like a fucking like easy way out of why this character is not the villain all of a sudden. Mm. But the way that they tackled it as soon as you start to see her and Luther together, because like they were the ones most at odds at the end of season one. Because mm. like, because he tried to he, kill her. <laughs> yeah, well he well he choked her out and then left her in the thing and then tried to kill her after that, didn't he? Like mm. he went on a journey of like having to be like the protector and the number one of the team, the team leader. Mm. And making these bold choices, and then he realizes that he shouldn't have done that. He should have cared for his sister and solved it that way. Yeah. So, like bringing that back in, so she gets resolution for a storyline that she no longer remembers because she has amnesia. Yeah, was really interesting. Anyway, what, is there any any last things you want to say? Because this podcast is getting long. What did you think of the whole t- fives five realizing that? he just needs to go back like 30 seconds what did you I, think of that where the swedes came well she came in and oozied everybody <laughs> and then the swedes came in and oozied her <laughs> yeah and then fives like twitches and then goes back and then, i saw it coming but it still worked for me yeah it was still really good i really enjoyed because, that like like well you even literally had the words echo in the show like it flashed back to reginald hargrove saying it's like it's just a couple seconds or a couple minutes. Like you don't need to undo everything. You don't need to jump back ten days to try and solve everything because yeah. you've got more time to fuck it up. Just like, just learn how to do it little and little, and that also now means that he's starting to master his abilities more. Yeah, it it, rem- it made me rem- made me think of the Flash a lot. Yeah, when he kind of like started going backwards a little bit and like going through the timeline, it was very much like that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm pretty much done, I think. I really enjoyed season two. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think it was better than season one. I think that it's an incredible series in general. I think it's not, you know, you don't have to be into things like Marvel or X-Men or DC or anything to really get a lot out of this because it's got so much in it. And the characters I think the superpowers are, so are a side product of the story and the world that it's set in. Yeah, definitely. If this was literally just time travel and they weren't superpowered, I think it'd still be good. Yeah, it would still work just as well if they were just like good at fighting. <laughs> and it knows its style. It it does it well. And definitely. yeah, it's pretty solid. It's like a solid 10 out of 10 i would say for me like i can't really perfect season 10 out of 10 yeah i I just think it's a really good series i just think it's really different and i know you're going into it you don't you know there's going to be things that you're not going to expect and you know things are going to be different it's like you could like if you had like the season of the flash come out right and you knew that it was going to be crisis on not crisis on infinite earths but if you saw that it was going to be flashpoint or something you will know what's going to happen. Or if you're watching mm-hmm. The Walking Dead and there's a new person, you know there's going to be like a twist. Like when Negan appeared. Yeah, you know there's going to be a twist where that person's going to turn out to be a bad guy. But with something like The Umbrella Academy, you could watch a trailer and you kind of just park everything that you think's going to happen. 
because you know you're going to probably be wrong. Well, that's the thing. Like I thought going into this, it was all going to be about the Kennedy assassination, but then it became all about the commission messing with, like, trying to take over the timeline. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. So good, so good. Cool. Right. That's that's our thoughts on it. Anyway, yeah, I'd say probably ten out of ten as well for this as well. Oh, like, I sure. Thought it was great. Um. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, guys. Um, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube as well. Social media is galore. We are at Get Real Pod on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> I had to make sure that I was getting all that information right because Sam normally does this bit. Yeah, <laughs> <Switched> it around. <laughs> and and also you can email us. GetRealPodUK at gmail.com if you want to li- let us know your thoughts of this um, what you think is going to happen in season 3 because honestly it could go anywhere just let us know your harebrained like like throwing shit at the wall like what you think is going to happen um, maybe we can figure it out between the lot of us maybe we do a theory episode before season 3 comes out <laughs> yeah probably we'll revisit it we'll revisit season 1 and 2 and then maybe do yeah. like a, an Instagram live or something or That'd be cool. Uh, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, cool. So you can check us out on socials. Make sure you check out the podcast. We're available on Apple Music, Spotify, everywhere you will get your podcasts. Uh, you can also leave us a like, review, rating on all of those platforms. It really means a lot. Make sure you share us with a friend, uh, someone who you you know think would enjoy listening to it. Uh, you know, if we build a community, we've got a community of a community of like-minded people. And it'd be really cool to get something like that together and just keep supporting us. You know, we don't we don't put ads on, we don't um you know, we don't ask much, we just ask that you share and if you listen to us, just um show us your appreciation in whatever way you like. Also hit us up if you wanna if you want us to rec- uh, cover anything in particular on the podcast. But like Adele's hello in Swedish. Yeah, uh, or any other language you want. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it but out. But only Adele's hello. That's the only thing we'll cover in other languages. Yeah, not allowed to do any other songs. Uh, other than that, thank you very, very much for listening. Take care, stay safe, and we will catch you next time.